time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. All right, just the Super Bowl matchup that everybody predicted at the beginning of the season. The Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams. Let me check my notes and make sure that's right. Yeah, it is. Cincy and L.A. They're going to meet for Lombardi's glory in two weeks. And we got a lot to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Critical Eye podcast on a Monday. However you may be listening, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, broadcasting from the Happy 927 Studios. We've got Joe Von Johnson in with me here in studio. Joe Lineski on Dad Duty joining us via Zoom. Uh, exciting day for sure, guys. Um, did, did, you, did you guys happen to see... <laughs> The uh, the uh, I think it was FanDuel, the bet that one of the fans made, the exact score parlay. Did you guys see that? I didn't, but I wish I would have put a bet in for uh, exact scores. I'm pretty close usually. Joe, you see that? I did see that. Uh, you know, that was really wild when you think about it. You, you got to figure, uh, you figure that is the odds of getting – not only one score right, but two scores right. Yeah, is I, I would love. I mean, what? I mean, it was a twenty dollar bet that paid out what, like five hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah, yeah. Something? So, so Jovan, for reference, this guy had a twenty dollar bet, and and this twenty dollar bet, by the way, was a site credit. So he didn't even have to put in his own money. Oh, it was a man. site credit. He puts it on the, the score predictions, gets some right, and now he's over a half a millionaire. I think it paid out $597,000. Man, wow. it's it's wild. Uh, Joe, Jovan, I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were in Kansas City covering the Bills and Chiefs game, and he was talking about wanting to bet you know, the, the scores of the game. Uh, he couldn't because we were in Missouri. They won't let you bet in the state there, but man... I tell you what, you talk about a life-changing opportunity. Uh, may, maybe, maybe this gig isn't isn't what we should do. Maybe professional sports betting is our goal here, but uh, we'll see how that works out. Anyway, uh, you know, I want to start the show with this. Let me let me just go on a little bit of a diatribe here. I won't take long, but I think this is this is well worth people's time. You know, I hear all of these media figures, and I'm one of them, and, and all of them say this: the NFL is an offensive league. Get yourself. An offensive coach, get yourself a dynamic weapon to help your quarterback. Get yourself guys who can score at will, and and you will surely make the Super Bowl. Well, time out. Let's review yesterday's games. The games themselves did not dictate what everyone talks about the offense being the key. What won the games yesterday? It was defense. Cincinnati, Kansas City. You looked at Kansas City run up and down the field for the first three drives. They looked unstoppable. Patrick Mahomes going to score 50 on the Bengals defense. And I, I saw people on Twitter saying, oh, Cincinnati shouldn't even be here. It's a miracle they beat Tennessee. They got to go back to the drawing board. What happened? The defense stood up. Let me read you Kansas City's drives after their final touchdown. End of the half on the Tyreek Hill missed touchdown play. And then punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. A field goal that should have been a touchdown and the interception in overtime. So, as much as I hear about Joe Burrow being 
an incredible comeback machine, and, and he is a great quarterback. It wasn't the offense that did the job. It was the defense. But but how about the Rams? They have been dynamic all season long. I mean, Matt Stafford, pro bowler, right? Yeah, absolutely. Odell Beckham, what, what an impact he's made. And don't even get me started on Cooper Cup, MVP wide receiver. What happened in that game? The Rams had seven, seven points heading into the fourth quarter against the 49ers, a team that I heard both Jovan and Joe say had zero shot to win the game. What happened? The Rams' defense made stands. The Niners had to punt, short drives, missed throws, heavy pressure. Aaron Donald made plays. So I agree that offense is a key part of the NFL nowadays, right? You've got Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. Great quarterbacks. Got to get the quarterback right. But to anyone out there who claims that defense is no longer a key factor in the NFL, I don't want to hear about it. Because Kansas City, with their mighty offense, couldn't stop Cincy in the second half and couldn't score on him. They had 83 yards of total offense in the third and fourth quarter and in overtime. And the L.A. Rams, who predicated themselves on having so many weapons with Matthew Stafford, seven points entering the fourth. It was their defense that got it done for them. So this is just my testament to, yeah, offense is, is, is special, but you have to have a strong defense to make it to the big game. And I think we saw that yesterday. Guys, let's, let's, start, let's start with the Kansas City-Cincinnati game. And Joe, I'll start with you. What do you make of the game yesterday? in your mind? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, and I even said this yesterday on, on television, you know, what a dynamic play caller and Andy Reid is, has been. And, you know, really to not score, you know, to not score. And, of course, the, the funny thing is, remember last year late uh, in, in the Browns, late in the first half uh, against the Browns, they had a critical play. It should have been a penalty go their way. And this time, the play does not go their way. And you know, obviously, not Andy Reid's finest hour with that play call. But, um, I mean, I'm not certain that Andy Reid has had a worse half of, of offensive football. Um, you know, I mean, I give – you got to give – I mean, let's give the, the Bengals their due. They certainly did come out to play. You know, they're down 18. It's the largest uh, comeback – I think largest uh, comeback to go to the Super Bowl of all time. Um, you know, I don't – I don't think it's necessarily fair, and, and we always seem to do this in, in this business, is talk about what the Chiefs didn't do or couldn't do. But, you know, again, I, you've got to give the Bengals credit. I mean, they whatever whatever the Chiefs didn't do was because of the Bengals. So, like, I think, I think far too often, guys, when we have conversations like this, we, we like to put, put the blame and, and finger point when in reality, you know, Joe Burrow – I mean, what dude, this kid's this is year two. I mean, when when did people know that that Brady was on on the track that he ended up being on? When did people know that Aaron Rodgers was going to be on on the track? When when did we when do we know that? Um, I don't feel like we knew it this early. Uh, you know, the, I, to me, I think we got to we got to just be all about Joe Burrow. I mean, I, I like the game. I think both teams played outstanding. Um, but for Joe Burrow to be cool, calm, and collective in moments like these, it shows you what type of player he is, what type of 
player he will be for a long time in this league. Um, but their offense figured it out. Their defense made stops when they needed them. Um, people talk about defensive football being non-existent in the NFL because of how how high-powered the offenses are. And Kansas City is one of the most high-powered offenses there is. But the Cincinnati Bengals' defense came through in the clutch when they needed to, and Joe Burrow found a way to get it done. And as a young quarterback in the NFL, he has a lot of similar characteristics of, of a guy by the name of Tom Brady that a lot of people call the GOAT. So as, if they could withstand playing the way that they've played, they have a very good chance of, of creating something special in Cincinnati. But, you know, I definitely uh, kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals and give credit to their coaching staff. I mean, nobody thought they'd be here right now in, in Joe Burrow's second year. And mind you, Joe Burrow didn't play much last season in his first year in the NFL. I don't even know if Zach Taylor would have told you at the beginning of the season this was a playoff team. I mean, they were 4-12 and 12 a year ago. I understand the Joe Burrow injury, but you're going to play against the AFC North going into the year, right? That's six tough games. And then the, the rest of the schedule wasn't easy. I mean, they had to play Kansas City in the regular season, mm-hmm. for gosh sakes, in a Week 15 showdown. So, I mean, it wasn't an easy schedule. But you, you know what I learned most about the game? And, and I think that this game told us, in my opinion, I think Cincinnati's a great team. And I give them due credit for how they were able to perform. I thought their defense was splendid. I think what we learned when you play Kansas City, the one thing you need to do to win is not play scared. And Cincinnati certainly didn't play scared in the second half. They did in the first half, but they made the adjustment. But here's what I learned about the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, I want you to listen up because I think you can take something to heart with this. Andy Reid is a wonderful coach. Probably top five all-time, in my opinion, if I had to rank coaches. He is so good at putting together a game plan. And he is so not when the game plan falls apart. If you look at the four-year run for the Kansas City Chiefs in the four years, the three years before they had made it, um, you know, the two years before they had made it to the Super Bowl, the year before where they had made it uh, as far as the AFC Championship game and the loss to New England in this year. The year in which they won the Super Bowl, what happened? Well, nothing. Not a lot of adversity they had to face. Patrick Mahomes all year was firing on all cylinders, and no one knew how to stop Tyreek Hill. But when you look at the other three years in the AFC title game to New England, where Kansas City couldn't figure out Tom Brady in the second half, you look last year in the Super Bowl, and once Patrick Mahomes was bottled up by Tampa's defense, there was nothing they could adjust to. And you look at this year, it was a tale of two halves. And Andy Reid has long time been praised for getting the first 40 to 50 scripted plays as well as any coach in football. But what you failed to see was an adjustment from the Kansas City Chiefs. You failed to see a team respond out of the locker room. After the three and out to start the second half, Cincinnati was the one that made the adjustment. And this is, I think, the solace you can take from Buffalo. Kansas City is not invincible. They, when, when things are going their way, it's a wonderful thing. But when they're not, it's a problem. And I think what you saw yesterday is, as good as Kansas City has been, the second you throw them off their game, like we saw at the beginning of the season, they're a mediocre team. With a lot of weapons, 
and a lot of reason for concern. Am I wrong to think that? Is that what you guys saw too? Because I saw two different games and one team adjust and one team not. I think that the the biggest issue was with with Cincinnati in particular, right? You know, we 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 talked yesterday morning about, you know, the 11 for 266 and Burrow was perfect. And I even said and they only won by three points, right? Well, Burrow wasn't perfect. Jamar Chase, for all intents and purposes, was a non-factor. Didn't have anything going. T. Higgins was a big play, and Tyreek Hill was a non-factor. Like, like maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm not like, not. I mean, I, I was wrong. We are wrong. The Bengals are way better and more complete than I think anybody gave gave them credit for. Again, like if if you were told, what are, what are the numbers? If you were told that uh, Jamar Chase was going to have six for fifty-four and a touchdown, uh, the Bengals get drilled, right? I mean, that's what we would have thought. I mean, Burrow only throws two touchdown passes. He's twenty-three of thirty-eight. Like they held, they figured out the Chiefs, and they held Hill to be a non-factor. Obviously, Kelsey got his, didn't get the 100 that we had in the like it or leave it, but, you know, by by Tyreek Hill standards, by Tyreek Hill standards, dare I say the Bengals found a way to keep Tyreek Hill in check, and nobody else has done that. Yeah, defensively, the Bengals came to play. You know, first half, they were playing a little bit softer, a little bit more hesitant, more zone coverage, not really challenging guys, and the Chiefs got out to a hot start. But in the second half, the Bengals really showed up and showed out. They showed you how to stop Tyreek Hill. I mean, granted, uh, Travis Kelsey had a good day. But at the end of the day, if you don't give up the explosive plays to Tyreek Hill and Miko Hartman, and, you know, those guys had a couple plays early in the first half. But, you know, once that door closed, they just couldn't figure it out. And Mahomes didn't know. He looked more confused than anything. He tried to work his magic and maneuver in the pocket the way he usually does and find guys down the field. Well, they kept their umbrella on those guys, and they didn't let guys get behind them. They kept guys in coverage and in, in, in range of, of defenders. And their front only rushed three, and they got to Patrick Mahomes, and they got him on the ground. That was the biggest key for the defense. You could get there and get him on the ground. You'll give yourself a chance to win. And then the offense obviously came out. They made plays when they needed to. And Joe Burrow, when he's cool, calm, and collected, he gets the job done. I'll tell you what, man. Joe Cool, Joe whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'll get to that in just a second because I've, I've got an opinion. But that that performance um, makes you wonder, if you're a Steeler fan or a Browns fan, how on earth you're going to win the AFC North for the next 15 years. Uh, and, you, know, you know, it's amazing to me how much I think Kansas City reminds me of uh, one of those princesses in, in a princess movie, whether it's a Disney w- or whatever, everything's great inside the castle. You know, if you're a member of the royal family or you're somebody with, with high brow, the second you go out in public and you're just in the same window as everybody else, you, you seem mortal. You're not invincible anymore. You don't have your shield around you. And I think the play that epitomized that was the play at the end of the first half. Any other team in football, minus the L.A. Chargers, and they weren't participating in the postseason this year, kicks the field goal there. But I think Kansas City is so hell-bent on this aura 
that they have to be this prima donna, go for everything, shoot out, throw it down the field, look pretty or die sort of a team. And, and, and the teams that are that are not the teams in right now. I mean, look, look at the way these playoffs has transpired. This goes back to my original point, guys. Defense has to matter. You look at the teams that have all been about the offense. Green Bay couldn't get through San Francisco. They scored 10 points with arguably the most talented quarterback in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys, for all their... I mean, this, that was, this was a team-ranked number one offense in the entire NFL. They bow out in the first round to the 49ers. Um, you know, you look on the AFC side, LA Chargers, they don't even make the playoffs. They're one of the most dynamic offenses. Buffalo, with all of the offensive firepower that they have, can't get past Kansas City and now the Chiefs. I mean, de- defense, it has to matter, right? I mean, there you have to have that balance, and I think we saw that this weekend. Yeah, you're starting to see them coming to their own. I mean, Cincinnati's coming into their own. You know, the LA Rams, we already know what they are capable of defensively. I mean, they bring in... Vaughn Miller halfway through the season. You already got uh, all pro players in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. You know, you match those guys up. Their defense has been playing a lot better of late. Um, You add OBJ, who was written off by the Cleveland Browns, and he comes to L.A. and he's starting to make a headwind and and making plays all over the field. I mean, I think he had over 100 yards receiving last night. Um, You know, you got all these different players, and, and you're starting to see in the playoffs that the defenses do matter. And offensively, you could be as good as you want to be, but if you can't stop anybody, you're not going to win. And then the two teams that are in the Super Bowl overcame adversity all year. You know, they went on losing streaks, they went on winning streaks, and they were up and down, and quarterbacks weren't playing outstanding the whole year. They had times where they were not being the the best of the best. They were throwing pick sixes as uh, a la Stafford. I think he threw four of them in a row in four weeks. And then, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, as cool as he is, he wasn't playing at the top of his game all the time as well. So, you know, these teams are, are right where they are destined to be and right where they're supposed to be for the opportunity to hoist the Lombardi. And that's because they've had coaches that believed in them and they overcame adversity and uh, they just kept chipping away at what they were trying to get accomplished. Joe, it seems like the Chiefs just simply didn't learn about the mistakes that they had early in the season. And that is what was their downfall. It's almost like they expected they were going to climb out out of it for a few weeks they did climb out of it but then when it hit them back in the face like it did in weeks one through five they just weren't prepared well again i don't i don't know if you can make it about the chiefs i think there was a common a common denominator in both those games yesterday if you're the Bengals, it cannot be tyree kill that beat you and right. by tyree kill standards it wasn't and then the other one that i don't think i've not heard anyone other than me talk about jovan is that the only the only guy that could really beat you if you're the Rams is who? Debo. Yep. Yeah. What did Debo do yesterday? Yeah, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. He did nothing. That's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we talked about the, the game that's evolution and this, that, and the other thing, yada, yada, yada. But the teams that won, the teams that won didn't allow the best player on the other side of the field to beat them. And I think I think that's what the moral of the story is from yesterday. And you think about that that big play right before the half for Kansas City. If they take the field goal there, instead of kicking, if the game ended up the way the same way that it did, instead of kicking to go up by three for Cincinnati, when the when uh, when the the Chiefs kick the field goal, they're going up by three. It would have been to win the game. It would have been to win the game, and then 
you know, so that was a big play. That was a big momentum shift, a big play to not put points on the board there. All right, let me let me throw this out there, guys. Um, we talk overreaction Monday. That's what we do on this show. So I'm going to throw an overreaction out there. I'll, I'll preface it with this. I think Patrick Mahomes is the more talented of the two quarterbacks. He can do a little more than Joe Burrow. But but let me let me make this let me make this a, a, a assertion here. When you look at the postseason, stats don't necessarily matter, right? I mean, we saw yesterday that sometimes offensively gifted teams need to play a little defense. Sometimes it comes down to just the intangibles. And when I watched the two guys on the field yesterday, what I saw was Joe Burrow wasn't worried and Patrick Mahomes was scared. There were multiple throws in the second half that Mahomes had that he didn't take, didn't want to pull the trigger. When he wasn't comfortable all season long, he had a problem. I, I think that Joe Burrow has surpassed Mahomes in quarterbacks that I would want, not just because of the intangibles, but because of his demeanor. I mean, this this is a guy, he's a second-year quarterback. No second-year quarterback should be that cool down 21-3 to on the road at Arrowhead in the loudest stadium in football coming back from an 18-point deficit. But I think what Joe Burrow showed yesterday is there is no environment on this planet that he's not capable of making a play, making a comeback, getting a win in. And I'm, I'm sorry. If I chose to start a franchise right now, I'm picking Burrow. What say you guys? I mean, I don't think you're crazy. Um, you know, again, if you look at, and I think you talk about who Joe Burrow is, right? And what, what do we know about Joe Burrow? Is that, I mean, he does, I mean, he sort of looks like the Marlboro man, right? I mean, he looks like Joe Cool. I mean, he does look like that kid that drove, you know, the, the 67 Mustang in, in high school. I mean, through through the cornfield, through the corn, through the cornfields cool of right? Ohio, right? But he's also a guy that has the confidence to leave Ohio State, to go to LSU. He won a national title. I think that helps. I do I do think that helps. There's very few quarterbacks in the NFL have had re, have really enjoyed success in college. I mean who I mean who won what quarterback what quarterback won the Heisman? You know, what quarterback won national titles? That's not the way it's been in recent years. And I, I do think that, that that swagger, and I don't know if it's swagger or house money that the Bengals are playing with right now, but I sort of felt it. I mean, didn't I mean? I guess unless you're a diehard Chiefs fan or a really pessimistic Bengals fan, after they didn't get in, they're late. Did you did you really think it was over? I mean, I I thought I thought it was over in the first quarter, but when it wasn't over yet. I wasn't ready to count the Bengals out. I, again, I don't know if that's just that Joe Cool swag that we all buy into or, or that he displays. But to me, I didn't think it was over. I don't know about you guys, but when they did not allow the, the Chiefs in at the end of the first half, I knew it wasn't over yet. I think it was. I think I realized it wasn't over the possession following in the third quarter when Casey went three and out. I think that was the point for me. Where because again, I mean, for the Chiefs, y you think about the sequence there, right? You're up twenty-one to three, and maybe this was Andy Reid's thinking, right? You've got the ball at the three-yard line. I've got the best offense, arguably in football. I've got all these weapons. Even if I don't score a touchdown, 
I've, I've scored on every other drive, right? I'm going to get the ball to start the second half, Jovan. I'm going to go down, score a touchdown, no problem. It'll be 28-3. to The crowd's going to be rocking again. Joe Burrow's going to be backed up inside his own 30-yard line. I mean, that's the point where I realized, okay, since he's got it down to a science, they know it's up. Yeah, man, you, you could just sense. One thing about Joe Burrow that I like about the kid is he always bets on himself. He's not afraid of the moment. You know, when he was at Ohio State, to Joe's point, and he felt like he was getting disrespected and he wasn't going to get the opportunity that he deserved. He transferred to LSU. In two years, he leads LSU to a national championship, wins the Heisman Trophy, gets drafted number one overall, goes to Cincinnati, and everybody's like, okay, here we go again. Number one pick, all these accolades coming in. Is it going to be a bust? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? He gets hurt in the first year. A lot of people probably wrote him off. Then he comes back in his second year, Plays cool under pressure, just goes out, keeps plugging away, down 21 to 3 and against arguably the one of the most prolific offenses in football. Brings his team back in the second half to win the game. That's Joe Burrow. That's the guy that we all know as Joe Cool, the confident player that he is. He comes in rocking a chain, showing his swag. He's ready to go. He's locked in. I mean, people see that and might think, oh, he's he's being a distraction. No, he's locked in. He's ready to roll, and, and he's going to give it everything he got. And you got to play him for 60 minutes until the final whistle, until you win the game on the clock. Otherwise, he's going to have a chance to beat you. And only real diamonds for Joe Burrow. Real. Yeah, can't can't be fake. Got to get that cigar and that real diamond <laughs> necklace because why not? You're Joe Burrow. I'll also end with this with, with the Bengals and Chiefs. I talked about how for the Bill, for Bills fans, this is a sign that you can beat KC. This team is is not invincible. I, I I don't know what other information examples you need for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get the quarterback right next year because this guy is going to be in your division for the next fifteen to twenty years. If that doesn't scare the living bejeebus out of you, I do not know what does because this division in the following years, like it or not. This is Cincinnati's to win. This amazing thing for me, too. This Cincinnati team shouldn't even be that good. They have a terrible owner not willing to spend money. We don't even know how good of a coach Zach Taylor is yet, although I think he started to prove himself as the seasons went on. This is a bad offensive line, a questionable secondary, although I think Mike Hilton was one of the better steals of the offseason. I mean, this team's only going to get better. So, I mean, AFC North, get your act together, Steelers-Browns, because this is not going to be an easy team to beat. And since he's only going to get better and they're in the Super Bowl. The team they're going to face is the L.A. Rams. They get to play inside their home stadium. It's funny, in the 56-year history of the Super Bowl, there had never been a team getting to host a game inside their own stadium, and now we have it in back-to-back years. Tampa Bay last year and the L.A. Rams this year. Although, if we saw anything from yesterday, the crowd will be 70% Bengal fans. But let's let's get to this. Uh, I, I want to start with, with the obvious. Um... You know, we talked a little bit about this gentleman on television and in the podcast last week about Matt Stafford. And I think as as much as it is important for a team to get the quarterback right to be successful, I also think, too, the quarterback needs the coach, the OC, the environment, the team. What we saw with Matthew Stafford yesterday that I never saw with him with the Detroit Lions is that he never felt like like Joe Burrow, never felt like he was out of the game, never felt like there was any deficit too challenging to make up. And the weapons are part of it, but he did have Calvin Johnson for a period of time in Detroit. 
But Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay are a duo that I think resembles the embodiment, like Joe Burrow, of you're, you're, you never feel comfortable. Um, and to me, he's got one more game to go. He's got to beat Cincy to win the Super Bowl. But I'll tell you what. In my mind, I think Matt Stafford has just become a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, because it wasn't pretty on Sunday. He didn't have a perfect game, but when it mattered, he made plays. Um, and, and I think this guy deserves definitely that consideration and de- deserves to be in. I mean, what do you guys make of the game in the NFC title game uh, and of Matt Stafford with the comments earlier about the Hall of Fame? I agree. I do. I mean, we talked about that on my show today, but uh, I'm going to flip the tables on you. I think Jovan will get a kick out of this. Isaac, in his pursuit of making... The, the argument as for the Steelers, their play for Aaron Rodgers, like it's literally right here. Here's the example yep. Isaac should be using. I'm going to make your argument for you, Isaac. This is what happens when you go get your quarterback. Well, uh, what, what did I what did I say last week? Draft capital in going to get Stafford, and I believe I believe if I'm not mistaken, that that trade was consummated a year to the day. Correct. Year to the day. Correct. Of 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 when he came, when they got stuff, and now they're in the Super Bowl. Um, now I don't know if, if the Ste- I don't think the Steelers were as close as the Rams, but I think Isaac, that should be the argument that, that you make <laughs> for the Steelers as to why they go all in. Because look, it worked for the Rams. Um, I, I thought Stafford was pretty good. You know, if the kid doesn't drop the pick, which I feel bad for him. Uh, but again, you know that you you look at what they got. I mean, Cooper Cup's a dude. OBJ, you know, he's back to life. Um, you know, obviously OBJ is all about winning. I think that, you know, that was the malcontent. I did think the meme, I don't know if you guys saw this, was I thought the funniest thing I saw on the internet all day today was the, the picture of uh, OBJ consoling uh, Debo Samuel on the sideline and the caption read, just tell your dad to get an Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Listen, that, listen. We'll uh, we'll we'll take him in Pittsburgh, man. That 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 was good. That, there were a lot of good internet moments yesterday. That was a good one. But I mean, Joe, to your point, I think, heck, I think you can make the Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh argument in either of the two teams that are in the Super Bowl. I mean, Matt Stafford, Sean McVay, but also Joe Burrow. I mean, my gosh. I mean, trade wise, yeah, I understand. But I mean, you talk about two guys that were completely left under the gutter. And I've come back and made plays. I mean, that's that's just it. But I mean, Jovan. Again, we talked about we. You know, we know how good Stafford of a quarterback is. But you know, I I still I still don't think he's unlocked his true potential yet. He's an incredible menace in L.A. What do you make of what he did yet last night in a game where he wasn't perfect but still came out on top? I mean, he made some plays that you know left you scratching your head. You know, like the the interception throw down in the red zone. Um, in that situation, you can't do that in, in the Super Bowl because you have to get points there, um, you know, forcing the throw in that moment. Um, but, you know, he also let one go uh, that Tart dropped over the middle of the field that he tried to th- let one deep uh, that could have bit him in the behind. Uh, but, you know, when it, when it was on the line and the game was, you know, in crunch time, fourth quarter, he came to play and he was the Matthew Stafford that put up big numbers in Detroit. Um, he was the Matthew Stafford that played outstanding all year in in, uh, in L.A., and he just went out there and willed his team to victory. You know, he, he limited the mistakes in the fourth quarter. His defense gave him opportunities, 
and they kind of leaned on each other, and then that offense ended up coming down the stretch making the plays that they needed to make. Um, you know, anytime you get a quarterback like that who has, again, he's poised, he's been here, he's, he understands what the moment is. Yeah. You know, he Matt Stafford has traditionally been the type of quarterback that gets in a postseason and, and gets one game and he's out, you know, because of the mistakes that he made. You know, but he never had this type of, of weapons around him. You know where he can go out there. I mean, minus uh, Megatron, Calvin Johnson, he d- he didn't have these type of players. And and Cooper Cup's playing outstanding, uh, but Matthew Stafford can make all the throws. One of the best arm talents in the NFL, and it's been that way since since Georgia. So let me make this argument as we continue on overreaction Monday, and I feel like I need to I need to say this. You know, San Francisco got the football back. I think with about a minute. 30 to go something like that they had one timeout on their own 25 and and I'm sitting there on my couch watching and watching Jimmy Garoppolo put his helmet on and as much as I understand that you're in a crazy atmosphere in a wild situation you need to score a lot of pressure you know what I thought why not give Trey Lance a shot Mm -hmm. I mean and I don't know, you know, I do know why I thought that. You know, this is an opportunity for you. I think everyone knows Trey Lance is the future, right? And Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant play design caller. What what would be stopping you from giving him the opportunity, just like Nick Saban and Tua Tagovailoa in the championship game a couple years ago? Why not give him that shot? Why not see if he can prove his worth? I, I don't know. I... I think at some point in that second half, Trey Lance should have been provided an opportunity to make a play, whether it was that final drive, whether it was that fourth quarter where they went punt, punt, interception, and then a, another punt. Give him a shot. Yep. Um, and, and I think for San Francisco, listen, this, this is a team that I think dramatically overachieved. I had them in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year, but I, I didn't account for all the, of course, the injuries and the and the lackluster performances but what are you going to get out of Trey Lance with him being on the sideline what what's going to give you any better look at him if you think he's the future put him in I mean Jovan is was that is that a crazy thought to maybe give him a shot knowing Garoppolo's poor performance with that, with a minute and a half left and a chance to win the game I mean you draft him in the first round for a reason you you had to believe that he would be the predecessor to, to Garoppolo. Uh, in a moment like that, when your starting quarterback isn't playing football to the caliber to win the game in a big moment, I mean, I think you have to make the conscious decision to say, well, you know, let's see what he can do. Throw him out there, send him to the Wolves, and just go out there and see what he does. Because um, I think Trey Lance, his ability to elude the rush with his legs – and be able to make throws down the field when he when he's on the move is a quality of his that's a strength. And you don't get that from Garoppolo. You know, Garoppolo's a the type of player that will go out and manage the game. He'll try not to lose it for you, but he, he's not gonna do anything extraordinary. Um, but it I do feel like you should give a guy like Trey Lance a, a chance in that moment. You know, he got drafted in the first round for a reason. You had to have enough belief in him for moments like that to and, give him a shot. And, you know, the reason that I say that, Joe and Jovan, is because, you know, Debo Samuel, 
was virtually non-existent. He only touched the ball 11 times, had under 100 yards. I think that was a big component to why the Niners aren't advancing today. Mm-hmm. But when he got the ball, you could tell the Rams weren't comfortable, right? The second the ball got outside the hash, Debo made a play. That defense started to become scatterbrained, and I think it took until the fourth quarter for Sean McVay and Aaron Donald and company to realize well, we we got to focus on this speed. You know, Trey Lance, I think, would have given you another element. It would have given you that mobile element, like Jovan said, that Garoppolo can't provide you. And also, one thing we do know, Trey Lance is a cannon for an arm. And here's my other thing, too. What do you have to lose? I mean, if you don't score there, it's the same result. I mean, you know, the Rams are going to get the ball. They're going to have a chance to win the game, and you're not going to be moving on. I mean, I just think that when you have such high hopes for a guy— and you're in that scenario, and you need a spark, why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Joe, is that crazy? I, I, I agree. I mean, that was, I mean, that's the thing about the Niners. Um, they're, not, they're not dynamic, you know, and they're not a dynamic offense, and especially with Debo Samuel being negated. They're just not exciting. They're not explosive. They're not that. And you're, you're right in terms of the, the upside is, would, have been, would have been huge. Again, the other element I think that we're not paying enough attention to is that George Kittle was a non-factor. I mean, yeah, he had a touch him, but he had two catches. Um, you know, they really did a nice job, I, I thought, in in making the the Niners even more pedestrian than they are. Because I mean, that's I mean, they are certainly void of exciting, uh, less uh, Debo Samuel. So again, I, I think we, we need to get make it more about the Rams and than what that is. But I agree with you, uh, especially if you are convinced that Trey Lance is the guy for the future, right? I mean, um, I feel like the Niners, with who they are, I mean, they've got some nice players, Brandon Ayuk and Debo and Kittle. They, they've got some good dudes. They probably need to find a running back. Um, why would you not give give Lance that opportunity um, again? Or, 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 or are they wavering on him? as not being convinced he's the guy of the future. I, I agree with you, Isaac. I don't know what the, the downside of that would have been. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in that situation, what do you, right, what do you have to lose? And I, and I think Kyle Shanahan, who I think you could make the argument 10 weeks into the season, there were rumors that he wouldn't have his job. I mean, you look at the Niners, they had a losing record. They hadn't won a game at home. Their first win at home, I believe, came against the Rams, which is funny enough, but... You know, if if you're if you're so content on wanting this guy, give him a chance. And you know, we didn't see that. And now Garoppolo's likely gone, and Trey Lance is going to have to come in and run an offense that may not be with Debo Samuel and may not be with these weapons. And you have to go through the NFC West again. So, in the same way, the Cincinnati Bengals are set because they know who their guy is. Uh, it's always talk about find your quarterback. Uh, the Niners are are in some trouble, I think, as they move to the offseason. All right, I want to I end with this, guys. Um, we, we talked about it on the show last week. It became official. Brian Dable, now the head coach of the New York Giants. He's already starting to put his team together. A lot of rumors out there. A lot of rumors that Ken Dorsey and Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey, the Bills quarterback coach, and Dable were a package deal and that it's potentially likely that Ken Dorsey will become the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants. And I I bring that up because both of you sat here on Friday and told me that's the guy that needs to be the OC. So is there concern in Buffalo, if Ken Dorsey does indeed go to the Giants, that 
th there might be room, I'll put it that way, for Josh Allen to regress. I, he's he's uh, knowing how talented he is. Is there that concern, knowing that Allen had talked about wanting Dorsey, if not Dable? I think I think absolutely. There's concern. I mean, that, to me, that's the making the, that's the makings of a rift. You know, if you're Josh Allen, did, did Ken Dorsey just pick Daniel Jones over you? Sort of feels that way. You know, where, where's your coach? Why, why is he not jumping? I mean, the fact that he went public, you know, making the case for Dorsey to be the new Bills OC, Joe Vaughn, made me think it was a done deal. But when, I mean, now, now Josh Allen is the dude that looks the fool, right? I mean, yes, this is, this is the makings of trouble. This is very, very concerning. Very concerning. I agree. I agree. And, and here's why I believe it's concerning. For one, Josh Allen loses two coaches, not just one. He loses an offensive coordinator who called the plays for him to be successful, but he also loses his quarterback coach who he had a relationship with that, you know, as a player, as a position coach, you spend a lot of time with that helps you develop as a player and, and get coming to your own. He loses both of those guys. So now he has to not only replace the offensive coordinator, but they also have to replace the quarterback coach who, and Josh Allen is your franchise quarterback. He tells you that he wants this guy to be the offensive coordinator so that he can keep his quarterback coach, but that quarterback coach could also call the plays. Uh, now you you kind of leave him in a, in a, out in the air and, you know, not know what's, what to expect next. You know, and there, of course there's a lot of great offensive-minded coaches out there, a lot of coaches that could come in and, and help him be successful. But he's going to have to start all over, learn possibly new terminology and all of that stuff. And now all of that takes time to pick up. And if the Bills get off to a slow start next year, it'll be a direct effect of that reason and that reason alone. Let me throw this out there, guys. I think this is also something that might might prove to be interesting. I mean, Joe, you made the point that, you know, why would Ken Dorsey choose Josh or rather uh, Daniel Jones over Josh Allen? What what if he's choosing the head coach over another head coach? I know at the beginning of the episode, and I might sound conflictive of myself here, but you know I talked about how defense is is key, and it is. But I think we can all agree that offense is the way through the NFL nowadays. And you know Sean McVay uh, has proven that. Other coaches have proven that, right? Andy Reid, even though he's not playing next week. But what if Ken Dorsey sat there and he said, "I've got a choice." And I can either coach with a guy who's built on defense and physical and rugged, or I can coach with a guy who arguably had one of the MVPs of the league last year and I think can do it again with Daniel Jones. I almost think it's a scheme decision, not a quarterback decision, because maybe there is that concern there from Ken Dorsey. Maybe we are reading something there that as good as Josh Allen is, it's possible that Brian Dable has that a lot to do with that. And maybe Ken Dorsey's sitting there thinking, I'd rather play with a guy who wants to score points and knows how to score points than a guy who's going to predicate things around defense. I, that's what I read from it. I, I, I don't think it's a quarterback decision. I think it's a scheme and a personnel decision. And I think, I think that, simply put, coaches would rather coach with guys who like to score rather than guys who like to prevent the other team from scoring. If you catch my drift. 
I don't. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever. I don't know if you'll ever have the correct answer. And maybe um, not. But again, anytime, anytime your star quarterback goes public with uh, a statement about a, a franchise, a statement about a player, a statement about whatever, and then the organization, whether it's actually the case or not, um, it doesn't. It doesn't come to fruition. It's not a good look. Yeah. Jovan, I mean, what's your thought on that, if any? I really don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to really say, you know, but their actions can't be justified if they don't go at least attempt to keep the guy who has the potential to help this guy continue to be successful. That That's my only thing. You know, you paid a lot of money to keep Josh Allen, and, and that should alone – been enough of a reason for you to keep the guy that he wanted as the offensive coordinator yeah we'll see and it's amazing one week after you are eliminated from postseason contention that these questions start to swirl but for 31 teams that is the case and uh we're gonna have an interesting Super Bowl again I don't think anyone had picked these two teams I certainly didn't but that's the fun part of it and this has been maybe the craziest playoffs to the craziest NFL season we've ever seen and who knows what the Super Bowl will hold. All right, next episode, we're going to have our Critical Eye Awards. Jovan, Joe, myself are going to pick Best Offensive Player, Best Defensive Player League MVP, Best Team, Worst Team, and looking ahead towards next year. going to be a fun one. We'll give out our accolades, pick our awards, and tell you exactly who we think did the best and did the worst in 2021-2022. That's all leading up to our big Super Bowl preview that we'll have next week. Next episode coming to you later this week. Until then, folks, stay safe, stay healthy as always. If there's snow, make sure you stay safe on the roads and enjoy your week. See you later. Or week. See you later.